The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. On, <clears throat> on my last retreat with Gil, he um, gave this you know, allegory that stuck with me. So I'm going to share that with you. So there's this big, gigantic, dark, dark, dank warehouse. And in the middle of the warehouse is a carousel. And the carousel is very brightly lit and, uh, you know, very magnetic. And the horses... The horses are beautiful, the most beautiful horses, you know, and they're, they're horses that have, you know, just smiles and flowing golden manes and other horses are, you know, in armor and they have on some kind of headgear with a spear sticking out the forehead. And other horses seem kind of panic-stricken. They have a panic-stricken expression on their face. Or, or maybe there's a horse that just looks kind of worried. So the people, they go to the carousel and they get on the horse that they like. And the carousel goes round and round. It starts and goes round and round and round and round. And they're, you know, the people are riding the horse that they like. And it goes round and round and round. And sometimes they decide they want to change horses. So they get off their horse and they get on a different horse. But they stay on the carousel. And sometimes they may want a horse that someone else is on. (laughs) So they hire lawyers (laughs) to figure out, you know, who's going to get that horse for a while. Does this sound familiar? But sometimes the carousel stops. And some people get off the carousel and they look around and they notice they're in this very kind of horrible place, this dark, dank warehouse. And they see a door off to the side of the warehouse and they might go over, walk over to that door and they open the door and light comes streaming in. And they look outside the door and they see flowers and trees and people walking around, children playing, people walking around that seem to be not very troubled. And they really enjoy this view. But then they close the door and they go back and get on their horse sad 
And the carousel goes again, round and round and round for years, for decades. But every once in a while it stops and people get off and they open that door and they go outside and they might linger outside for quite a long time before they go back and get on their horse. And some people shut the door behind them and they stay out there. great Korean iconica, Zen master, Bojo Genuo, said something like, not something like, exactly like, I have it written here, beginningless habit energies are extremely difficult to remove. Beginningless habit energies are extremely difficult to remove. Hindrances are formidable and habits are deeply ingrained. We, we, we don't want to, but we just get so stuck to our thoughts. It's not our intention when we meditate. We, we sit down and we meditate and we want to breathe and relax and be, be easeful with our body and our breath. And, but something happens. Habit energies emerge. Karma emerges. Maybe it's some karma that looks very familiar to you. This is the same kind of praise that filled my heart with pride when I was six years old. This is the same kind of failure that I felt when I was a teenager. But it sticks, hard to let go. The Buddha described all of our suffering into eight parts. So when the Buddha says something, you you ought to listen. I think this is amazing. Eight parts describe the whole realm of karma, the whole realm of suffering. Human beings suffer over praise and blame, success and failure, positive reputation and infamy, success and failure. Now, all of you are completely unique in all the world. You were born with your own genetic coding 
And as you grew from a child, from a baby into a child, into a teenager and so on, you were conditioned. We were all conditioned. Conditioned. Deeply conditioned by our families. By the kids at school. By our society. By our culture. By our religion. If we're born a black lesbian, we're really conditioned by that. Not born, but grow in, grow into a you know that sexual preference. Deeply conditioned, and things happen. And you don't have to be a black lesbian for things happen to all of us and emerge from our conditioning. And so your own particular conditioning your karma is completely unique to you. No one else has your conditioning. And that should be acknowledged. This is my conditioning. This is what has emerged out of my culture and family and society and genetic code and my religion and my race. All of these things have influenced this particular conditioned existence. And this conditioning suffers because of its own particular the way it the way its own particular inclination to success and failure and praise and blame and reputation and disrepute and pleasure and pain. You could be uh, an 80-year-old doubles tennis player, kind of doddering along, playing. But what fills your mind is that you won or you lost. And the praise or the criticism of your partner and the people, you know, that are playing with you, or maybe you won a contest or lost in a contest of 80-year-old doubles players. So your situation changes, and it changes with age. What we're attached to long ago, our bike the sport that we played, our best friend. Those have all changed into something else and then something else and then something else and something else and something else. And, something else. and where do they all go? They're, they're illusions. They vanish. They're, they're bubbles that just kind of keep arising and breaking. And here we are now. with our own set of desires for praise from whoever we want praise from and fear of blame from whoever we fear blame from and successes in whatever realm that we're 
we're operating and so forth and so on. And in 10 years, we'll look back on this situation just like we can look back on that bike and that sport and that best friend. It'll be gone. Won't matter. But anyhow, that's what we do. And that's our conditioning and habits. are difficult to remove. And that's what comes up in our meditation and our thoughts coalesce around these conditions and stick to them. So there's this sutra, it's called the Upanisa Sutra. And uh, it's a set of conditions that are liberative. Liberative, isn't that nice? Liberative conditions. But the first condition that ignites all the other conditions is suffering is ignorance, is what I've just been describing, our reactivity embedded in our own conditioning. But we can get so disgusted by our conditioning you know, one, one reaction to, say, um, praise and blame would be to turn toward that karma, get, it, get upset about that karma, figure out how I'm going to fix the situation, kind of get, get all entangled in that web of that karma. That's one reaction. And by the way, on careful examination... Praise and reputation and success and pleasure are all as disturbing. They're as disturbing. Praise is disturbing in meditation if we cling to it. It's just, it's aggravating. It just keeps coming up and coming up. Deprives us of peace. Deprives deprives us of ease. This reactivity to these things that we want. And then fur- further reactivity to the uh, positive side of these worldly winds is that not, on, not only are we ignited by the blush of success or the blush of praise, but we're, we also become instantly worried but it'll go away, which it will. But anyhow, that's what we can turn to. Suffering can um, motivate us to turn to karma. But suffering can also 
turn us, and this is nothing new for you, I'm sure you all know this, but it can turn us toward dharma. And this is a leap of faith because we don't know about dharma. There's nothing to know. It's just the present moment is a mystery and it's completely unknown and it's just, it's unconditioned. So this is a radical turning away from all of the momentum of our conditioning, all that we know that is true and beneficial and what we should be, what should be our goals and um, what should be the direction of our lives to, to actually have the courage um, and the faith to just let it go and turn toward the dharmic the Dharma field, the field of the present moment. To disengage. A couple of nights ago, I... uh, And and by the way, that's the first step on this... uh, um, these liberative conditions. Faith is the first condition. Turning toward faith. So the other night, I, I noticed my wife laughing in the bedroom before bed. And I asked her what she was laughing about. And she says, I don't have any problems. She was laughing and just in delight that she doesn't have any problems. And that's the second step on this path. Sensing there are no problems here. There's peace here. There's ease here. And then these conditions, they develop into uh, happiness, contentment, ease, well-being, all of these easeful feelings develop from this turning toward dharma. And so we, we stand, we could say we stand in the river, the river of this current of karma, and we put our feet in the sand, and we, we stand there, and, and the, the current keeps kind of trying to push us, and we, sometimes we, we fall over, and, and we straighten ourselves, and we rebalance ourselves. And then, and we disengage and we settle and 
we trust and are centered and and keeping touch with the body and being supported by the body and the breath. The wholesome, the wholesome heart begins to develop and there's more letting go and there's some sense of liberation and peace. And this is the process of meditation. A little letting go Feeling, feeling these wholesome feelings arise. Knowing what is conducive, other things come in and sensing, no, that's, that's going in the wrong direction and trying to right ourselves. And this is the path. Bojo Janul's path is called gradual awakening. No, no, sudden awakening gradual cultivation. I'm not sure I know what else to talk about. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. This path of liberation, and it is a path. And we practice the path every day in our meditation. But we only meditate maybe a half hour a day or 20 minutes a day or 45 minutes. And then we get up. So what do we do when we get up? How can we support the path when we get up? We can scurry out and try to go out and get some praise and success and pleasure and reputation and really, you know, just give it our all, give it our best effort. And we have to do that. We have to live in the world. We have to uh, take care of our lives. But we can also pay attention to liberative conditions and what will support What will support our peace and our happiness and our ease as we live our lives? What's conducive? Generosity. Giving instead of getting. And just noticing how that feels, that letting go of self as we live our lives, as we open the door for someone or let a car go in front of us instead of rushing to get in front of the car? How does it feel just to give away the self all day long? 
to be kind and, and uh, friendly in our interactions with people. To walk into a party not with the worried, fierce, f- f- fearful intention of getting validated by the right people in the party, getting into the best conversation, the one that's going to acknowledge me the most. But going into the... So that, that's going into the party full of, full of the karmic intentions, reputation and praise and success but going into the party with a dharmic intention of giving my full and kind attention to anybody who's in front of me. Full attention. There's no fear in that. There's no anxiety in that. There's only the good intention. This is walking the path of the Dharma, the path of compassion and kindness and goodwill and friendliness and generosity. Not harming, not lying, not taking what's not being given to you. Living in this way, and we all know, we all know the precepts and we all you know, know about compassion and goodwill, but to really take it seriously. And the more we live in this way, this will feed this feeds our med- this nourishes our meditation you know the story of the two wolves the little boy asks you know the grandma says to the little boy her her grandson i have two wolves inside of me the wolf of peace and the wolf of hate and he says uh, Well, which one wins, Grandma? And she says, the wolf that I feed. So, whatever we feed will be our lives. If we live our lives carefully and mindfully, and not rushing around. That's turning toward the liberative conditions. If we're running around and rushing and trying to get this and trying to get that, that feeds karmic conditions. So, 
fundamentally it's a, you know, it's a simple life. The real life that we lead, the real life we lead is a simple life. Step by step, relaxed and easeful in body and mind. We can live a life of peace and we can give this peace to others. There's a something that I like that the Dalai Lama said. <clears throat> we are visitors on this planet. We are here for 90 to 100 years at most. During that time, we must try to do something good, something useful with our lives. Try to be at peace with yourself and help others share that peace. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true goal, the true meaning of life. So as you leave here today, and as you go about your life, be peaceful and share that peace with others. And for the next 10 years, be that way. And then you'll look back and there's a good 10 years. (laughs) Rather than a 10 years of bikes and friends and all kinds of things. Ten years of peace rather than ten years of accumulation. In the end, you know, all our accumulations don't matter a whit. But our peace, growing our peace matters a lot. So there was another another uh, allegory that was used in this retreat that I I also love. Um, there was there's this uh, seagull on this ship on the mast of the ship, and the ship was out in the ocean, and it was full of people of of sailors. Sailors were very busy on the ship doing what they do. And the seagull was on this mast and the seagull was always looking out kind of wistfully to another land. And uh, every once in a while, the seagull would take off and go up into the sky looking for that other land. And then it would come back to the ship. And then one day, one year, 
the seagull took off from that mast and it soared into the sky and it did some circles and it was just really flying just so freely. And then it vanished and the sailors never saw it again. Never saw it again. Vanished into nothingness. Wouldn't that be nice to vanish into nothingness? And our meditation to vanish into nothingness. To vanish into space, supported by body and breath. So notice the heart, you know, how the heart feels and let these liberative conditions support you, how nice it feels. I'm going in the right direction. I'm noticing when the heart contracts. Whoops, I'm going in the wrong direction here. And letting go a little bit. Letting go of a hip or a leg or a shoulder or a tight neck or a tight jaw or forehead or Thank you. That's about all I have to say. Uh, any anybody would like to say anything? Any comments or questions? David, I'd like to say that I'm very grateful that you filled in for Gail last minute. I appreciate it. Could you say a little more about that disengage? That, like you're in a situation. Disengage. Disengage. Yeah. Well, what does it mean to you? (laughs) I think that's difficult and it takes courage. Um, Like breaking the pattern. Yeah. It can be so difficult. And I think it's, it's... and I think I'm answering. My yeah, yeah, question. I understand. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Suzuki Roshi said something uh, interesting. He said, "I think I have it written here someplace." Um, he said. Uh, we don't have to give give up things of this world. 
but just know they go away. We don't have to get rid of them. They go away. That's interesting, isn't it? As tightly bound as they seem to be, and as crucial and as important and, you know, powerful as they seem to be, they're gone in a couple of hours or a day or a month. Things change. That's conventional wisdom. Things change. Um, So that's one thing. We can know this is not going to last. This will change, no matter how devastating it is right now. So having, feeling safe in that, feeling confident that this will change, then we can encourage it. If we feel like it's all up to us, it's just in our control and we've got to make this happen, we can really be beating our head against the wall. But knowing this will change anyhow, I can help it along. I can give it a little space. I can make the effort to relax. I can make the effort to be easeful here. This isn't a phony effort. It's going to change anyhow, and I will become easeful, and I will become relaxed. But from my own ease and well-being, I can encourage it right now and turn toward Dharma right now. And it's still sticking, but it's a little less sticking and a little less. And that's the practice. Just one step at a time. Not like it's got to happen all of a sudden. Just one step in the right direction at a time. explain what the words dharma and karma mean to you or to me? So, um, karma is um, our thoughts reflect our karma. Our mental formations reflect our karma. Um, I was describing the karma karma as uh, desires and aversions, desires for praise, success, pleasure or con- comfort, reputation, and aversion to blame and so forth. So that's you know the, the, those are categories, but we have our own individual karma that manifests in our thoughts. So in, in your thoughts, you might, I don't know what, what your karma is, what your life is, but it's very much you. It's very much born of your body and your mind and how you've developed and how you become whoever you are and your aspirations and your fears and your aversions and, you know, 
all those things. So that's karma. Does that make sense? Yeah? I see. So, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, in that sense, good karma if it's said in a worldly way I suppose good karma would mean you're healthy and you're wealthy and you're uh, you know socially you know you're agreeable you have you know you have agreeable tendencies and people like you and you get along well socially so that would be good karmic conditions Dharma would be um, beyond that. Dharma would be something beyond conditions, like just when your mind becomes quiet, when the mind becomes quiet, quiets down. Um, Then being wealthy or agreeable or... um, successful or all that stuff doesn't enter the picture. What enters the picture is um, some kind of freedom of, of wanting, freedom from wanting, freedom from wanting or hating or fearing things. The feeling I'm not explaining this very well about Dharma. It's hard to explain um, for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm feeling that. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. 